Welcome to this podcast from Penrith Church of Christ. If there is anything in this message that you would like to talk about further, please go to our website, www.cofcpenrith.org. That's www.cofcpenrith.org. You know, it's really good to be with you. Um, I always look forward to coming and speaking and uh, messing with your heads a bit. So <laughs> hopefully I can do that again and make you think uh, about what you believe and make you think about uh, your own convictions. And so what I want to talk about, and I'm not going to go into my major title, which is called Mastering the Art of Living. Jesus said, I've come to give life and life in all of its fullness. So you have people that master the art of karate or the arts. What was Jesus the master of? Life, how to live, right? He said, I am the way, the truth and the life. So Jesus was the master of living. And he keeps insisting that his way is the best possible way to live, not, his, but not a belief in him, but a certain way of living. So we want to talk about that. So over the next couple of weeks, I'm not speaking next week, but the week after that, I'm just going to be talking about what does it mean to master the art of living, to look at Jesus and to get in sync with living the best possible life. Who wants to live life to the fullest? Yeah, and often sometimes... We know that scripture. Well, yeah, we do. But deep down, if we're really asking the hard questions, we go, but I'm not. <laughs> this isn't how I feel. This is not uh, how it's going. Um, so maybe, and as I said, probably if uh, I speak here in, in a fortnight's time, I might do a series over the next three years called Mastering the Art of Living that uh, I might speak another couple of times if I'm lucky. So it depends how I go today, really. So turn with me to your Bibles to Acts chapter 17, verse 28. Before I read it to you, it'll be up on the screen. It's a common verse. You've all heard it before, I'm sure. But here Paul, the Apostle Paul, is addressing a bunch of people living uh, in the Greek city of Athens. Anyone heard of that before? Yeah, of course we have. Which was in its time one of the most celebrated cities and was known for its um, art, literature, but most of all it was known for the people there who had this remarkable zeal for worshipping of gods. They had many different temples, many different altars set up to all these different gods. In fact, one of the sarcastic sayings the Romans had for people living in Athens was it's easier to find a god than a man in Athens. So it gives you a kind of bit of an idea what was going on there. Anyhow, Paul arrives in this city and he came across one of the altars which had written across it, the unknown God. And he goes, well, let me tell you about this unknown God. He is the one and he's the only God. He created heaven and earth. Uh, he is the God who created all of mankind and you can know him and you can get closer uh, than you think to him. Which, that might sound pretty, oh yeah, whatever, but they were, that was a big thing to say that, to say that there's only one God. 
especially in a city where there's thousands of gods that are celebrated. And also to say that this one God made everything. And not only that, that this one God loves you, made you, and is close to you. Like that is huge because most people in the ancient world thought that the gods were actually angry with them. So to actually make this kind of statement. And then that's where we read Acts chapter 17, verse 28. He says, for in him... We live, we move, and we exist. Wow. In him we live, move. And he goes on to say in that passage that you are kind of like uh, his children. Uh, There's another word in some translation. I just can't remember right now. I was reading it this morning. But it's talking about your, it says it's your offspring. You're his offspring. And who's he addressing here? Is he addressing Christian people? No, he's, he's talking to everyone and he's saying you all belong to God. The reason why you all exist is because of God. In fact, you are in him and he is in you. In him, you live, you move, you exist. Well, that, that's pretty huge back then. Quite frankly, it's still pretty huge today. But yeah. Wow. So I want to talk about that. I've called this learning to breathe. I'm going to teach you how to breathe this morning. (laughs) Just in case you're not. (laughs) So I want to explore this idea of in him we live, we move and have our being. Now, Paul, this is not new. This is not a new idea that Paul's just radically come up with. He's diving back into our rich history as, uh, that has been a central idea to our faith right from the very beginning. So what I want to do is just go back, have a look at where he's pulling this idea. He's used different words where he's pulling this idea from. And then I want to talk, we sort of whittle through the Bible a bit, then I want to talk about what that means for you and I today. Is that okay? Okay, three people think so, that's cool. I'll do it anyhow. So Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, let's look at that. Go back to the book of beginnings, Genesis. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground, the Hebrew word ground is Adama, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man, Adam, became a living being. Yeah. So right away we read here, we, this is what we learned from that one verse. God breathed, so we breathe. Our life... Humankind, our life is a response to the breath of God. Yeah? God breathed, so we live, we move, and we exist. Are you with me so far? Yeah. And it says here that God took dirt, dry ground, and he breathed into it. And between the the dry ground, the soil, and the breath of life that came from God came men, came humans. So when we call someone a dirtbag, it's theologically correct. (laughs) If you want to kind of go a bit deeper into that, write that down. So the writer of this first ancient story is reflective of how they understood this paradox 
that it's the core of what it means to be human. Side note, that's what the Bible's about, by the way. It's not about anything else. It's about what it means to be human. If it's about anything else, it doesn't really matter because we really, we want to know how to live. We want to know how to, to live the way that God created us to live. If, it's, if we make it about something else, we're missing the point, don't you think? Yeah. So the writer understood this paradox of what it means to be human. That's the core of our being. They understood there was something dirtish about us. And when I say dirtish, I'm not talking about sin. I'm just saying something of the soil about us, right? Uh, the, the, the man's first, uh, the man's name is Adam, right? Or Adam. The Hebrew word for soil is Adama or Adama. 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 Not or, it is. <laughs> so God took Adam or Adama, soil, and made Adam, which is a way of keeping, I guess, your ego in check when you think about it. At our very part of us, our makeup is dirt, right? Or dust. So, building this explanation of how you and I um, arrived on this planet is this paradox that is, I believe, that is absolutely central to what it means to be human. So let's look at this for a minute. Let's look at this dirt, this Adama dimension of our life first. Okay, you ready? Genesis, let's look at some more scriptures here. Genesis chapter 3, verse 19. It says this, By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are and dust you will return. Job says this, all mankind would perish together and man would return to the dust. Psalms 90 verse 3, you turn men back to dust, saying, return to dust, O sons of men. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, all go to the same place, all come from dust and to dust all return. It comes up again and again, Psalms, Ecclesiastes. Uh, Job, again and again and again, ground, dust, dirt, we're fragile. Psalm 39 verse 5 says this, You have made my days a mere hand breath. The span of my years is as nothing before you. Everyone is but a breath, even those who seem most secure. So take the most secure person you know, it's just dust that's been breathed into. Yeah. So there's this fragile nature of being human, isn't there? Yeah? I remember, and some of you may relate, uh, you know, a, a lot of the times I'm writing on my computer, especially if you're doing a sermon and you get ideas or you're doing artwork or putting a video stuff together. And I remember one particular time I was putting a eulogy together for my grandmother who passed away and we thought we'd do the eulogy um, on video and I, I would read it through and it'd show because you can get pictures of the past of Penrith where she was born and all this kind of stuff it was really cool 
So I'm making this, crying at the same time because it's my grandmother. And, you know, getting absorbed into this. I'm at the office where I worked at that point in St Mary's. I'm, I'm typing away and doing it all. And I thought, yeah, I'm almost there and I just have to do this. And all of a sudden the computer crashes. And, I, and it was like one o'clock in the morning at this, this stage and it crashes. And like the funeral's the next day. And I just thought it just it just it just was devastating. So here I am at one o'clock in the morning in St Mary's and it crashes and I'm banging the keyboard trying to get this thing. I go bang anyone know what I'm talking about? No, just me. I'm banging the keyboard. And as I'm doing it, as I'm going ballistic, uh, letting this keyboard know who's in charge here, whacking this keyboard there's this little voice going, and that will get the computer working. Uh, what you're doing, this will fix it. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, and I'm sure you can relate that you've done stupid things out of frustration or anger or whatever that's not actually doing anything at all to remedy. It just shows that as human beings, we're emotional. And uh, we're fragile. I was at Cranebrook many, many years ago at the basketball courts there, and I was playing basketball uh, with. Uh, I was with my youth group at the time, and uh, all of a sudden, this uh, dwarf midget—I don't know what the proper name is—is the little people. Sorry, just just in case. Yeah, I don't mean to offend. Uh, a little person comes running in. And I could, while I was playing basketball, I just noticed that this person was distressed. So I just went over and said, you okay? And he goes, um, the coach is, is outside, he's choking, he's choking. So quickly I just ran out. The guys didn't even know, I just ran out. And just in the front of the, the centre there, uh, there's this guy uh, choking. Well, what I assumed to be choking, because that's what I told. So I quickly get down. Uh, been trained in first aid and I'm checking his airways, couldn't find anything, turn him on his side and quickly I realised he's not choking, he's having a heart attack. So I started CPR on him. Um, he's there not really knowing what to do and all of a sudden his son comes running out, sees his father there. Uh, the ambulance eventually comes and the guy went to hospital. It's not a good news story, he died, right? And it just, once again, reminded me how fragile human life is. There is this sense that I'm fragile. How many have had reminders this year of how fragile human life is? Yeah, there's this uh, fragile dimension to our existence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, unfortunately this year two of my closest friends uh, have one had an aneurysm survived and the other um, had a heart attack and then he's now on kidney dialysis so I've been in and out of hospitals a lot this year (laughs) I mean I, I could probably I've probably funded one of the rooms with hospital parking you know fees um yeah but but, you know, you, you walk down these aisles and you see all these people sick. Um, 
and you just realise how fragile human life is. Dust, soil. Yeah, and the ancient writers understood this. Uh, when you sometimes go past a car accident or a, you, you are reminded how fragile life can be. The ancient writer says in Psalms, it says we came from dust. And yet in this fragile dust, God breathed the breath of life. Now notice how Psalm 8 deals with this tension. So there's this fragility, this fragile, this dust side of our being, but yet there's this, there's this mixture. There's this divine side of our existence. You know, a lot of us think, yeah, we were made by God. I would argue that we're made of God. Because there's this combination of dust or dirt, Adama and divine breath. Yeah. Wow. This is what Psalm 8, 3, 6 says. Now, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars which you set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you even care for him? You made him a little lower than heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honour. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet. So once again, we're reminded here there's this dirt dimension to our lives, fragile yet it's been breathed into by God that created the universe. Wow. In other words, there's a, there's a greatness. There is a life source. There is a power, a strength, a vitality that rests inside each and every single one of these divine dirt clods. Yeah. In everyone. Not talking just about people that are sitting here this morning, in everyone, in Muslims, in homosexuals, in lesbians. Every single person has been created and made of God. Are we clear on that? If you don't believe me, let's go back. Let's go back and see at the very beginning of time. And God stepped back and said, what? Oh, that's horrible. No, it's good. It's good. Yeah, every person has got this soil side to their existence and this breath dimension. Yeah. And it doesn't matter who you are, what you believe. We've all got this fragile side to our lives. That's why everyone needs the grace of God. We are, we all, every human being lives off the grace of God. You take away grace, you have no world anymore. It disappears. Yeah. So the writer says, we're so fragile, yet we've been breathed into and we've been filled with the potential for glory and honour. I like what this writer here says. It's up on the screen, I think. 
maybe not. I'll read it to you. It's from Marianne Williamson. I don't know if it's there, Alison, but if not, it doesn't matter. It says this. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It's our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. Your playing small doesn't serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We're all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in every single one of us. She says, let me paraphrase that. This is what she's saying. She says, you know, you may be a dirt clod, but there is glory and honour that resides in you. Yeah. To me, that's the good news. That's the good news. (laughs) Isn't that good news? Yeah, I think that's good news. Yeah. So the scriptures live with this tension of how fragile we are, but yet we're breathed into That's what created us. There is this profound, powerful life source that brought everything into existence, which breathed into each of us just to give us the breath to live, to move and to have our being. Now, this is interesting. We're going to get a bit interesting now. Are you with me so far? The word breathing has this fascinating double meaning and it's played upon in the scriptures. There's a word over time, one word to mean two different things. And let's look at it in Psalm 104. It says, I'll read it. When you hide your face, they are terrified. When you take away their breath, they die and return to the dust. When you send your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the earth. Yeah. The word breath and spirit, when you look in the original, is exactly the same word. Ruha in Hebrew. Everyone say ruha. Yeah, very good. (laughs) Yeah. The Greek word is pneuma for spirit. So if we read it again, when you hide your face, they are terrified. When you take away their ruha, they die and return to the dust. When you send your ruah, they are created and you renew the face of the earth. Yeah. Everybody just for one second. Breathe in through your nose. Fill those lungs. Breathe out. I'd get you to face someone, but just in case you had garlic last night, it might not be a good thing to do, right? Breathe in. You know, central to our tradition, our Christian tradition, for thousands of years, have been disciplines of meditation, reflection, silence and breathing. It was understood to be a healthy person, to be fully connected with God and to be fully centred, you would spend significant parts of your day in silence, breathing, meditating, praying, allowing the Spirit of God to transform you and touch you. So the word ruah means breath, but also it means spirit. And our ancestors understood there was something divine about our breath. There is something sacred and holy about the act of our breathing. Namely, when you're born, if you're not breathing, you're in trouble. 
Yeah? And you've all heard the saying, he took his last breath. So there was something, there was a connection there about your breathing and the divine. Yeah. So in a psycholo- uh, physiological sense, now I, my background in study is uh, PE and health. I know it's hard to believe. <laughs> but trust me on this one. Just go with it. <laughs> so in a very physiological sense, we need to breathe. We need our breath. But in the same way, we need God to have any sort of life at all. Right? So just like breath, the ancients came to understand that God would actually dwell inside of people. Take a breath in. So I just want to give you a few points on how breathing reminds us of how to live and who we are. Okay? Number one. Breathing or breath reminds us that God lives in me. Romans chapter 8, I think. It says this. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. So one of the reasons why they use ruah or numa the way they did is they believed the God who made everything actually isn't up there. If you're on the other side of the world, it would be down there. But God's not over there or up there or in there. He's here. So, of course, when we read the scripture, which we've taken out of context, whenever two or more gather together, there God is. Of course. <laughs> Wherever you are, God is. Of course. Because in him we live, we move and have our being. And if he's not there, you're not here. Of course, of course. Makes sense, right? Yeah. Later writers began to refer to people who were aware of this as temples. Yeah. That their body is like a temple where God is. And when more and more people come together, uh, it's, they would call it the temple of God. Yeah. That God is in the midst of his people. Now, interesting, I think I've shared this before with you, but just quickly. Uh, when God first revealed himself, and then we have Exodus, and then Moses comes along and says, well, what's your name? You know, he's trying to work out what to call God. And, and God says what? He says, I am that I am. But what's your name? My name is I am. And he says this, and this will be my name forever. When was the last time you said I am? But God says when he introduces himself, I am that I am. Now that's a whole other sermon itself. So what the ancients decided to do, they came up a name, Yahweh for God, which is in the Hebrew spelt yod Hey vav Hey, which are all vows. Now, if you put four vows together and try and say it, you're going to have caused respiratory damage. You can't say it. And people think, oh, the reason why the ancients didn't say the name of God is because it's holy. No, it's because they couldn't say it. You literally couldn't say it, right? 
And so they would sound, they would say, which, which you know, Yahweh, the word actually means uh, the one who brings into being all that there is, right? But the truth is it's inutterable. So they would say the word is the sound of breathing. That's what they would say. They say, you want to know what the name of God sounds like? Breathe. Right? The holiest name in the entire universe is the sound of your own breathing. Now, you know the story of Elijah. He takes on Jezebel. He takes off and he wants to commit suicide. He gets out of there and he runs and he hides in a cave and he just wants to die and he comes out and there's fire, but God wasn't in the fire. There's a storm, there's lightning, thunderbolt, thunderbolts and all these kind of things. And then it finishes the story. It says, after the fire... There was this soft, audible sound of almost breathing. I wonder when sometimes you feel that God is far, that God is distant, is God saying to you, I gave you breathing? I can't get any closer. Because from the very beginning, breath, the breath that every single one of us is taking all the time is a physical reminder of God's breath and spirit in you. Is God as clothes to you as breathing? Is there a bit of a problem when someone says, I don't need God to live? Yeah. Notice what happens when we breathe. We inhale about 14,000 litres of air every single day. Wow. Which is around 26,000 breaths, which on average is about 150 bathtubs full of air. Right? 14,000 litres. 26,000 breaths every single day. Number two, breathing reminds me that I belong to God. Yeah, Romans 8, 16, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. One of the things that spirit or breath does, it reminds you that you belong to God. And guess what? You can't earn it. You can't get enough points to get in this big guy's kind of good books. Um, you can't do enough good deeds for get, to get God to like you. One of the things that Spirit does, it reminds you that you belong to God exactly the way you are. You are loved by God. Not when you repent and then you're loved. The good news is you're loved. You're loved. There's no, he loves me, he loves me not. God's daisy is, he loves me, he loves me, he loves me, he loves me. Because God understands there's a soil side of our life. There's a fragility about all of humanity. 
And then there's the divine side to our existence. He loves He loves me. Yeah. Wow. Would our lives be better if on a regular basis we stopped what we were doing and just breathed to remind ourselves that we are loved exactly how we are 26,000 times a day. We're reminded that we are loved exactly the way we are. 14,000 litres of God's love every single day. 150 bathtubs full saying, you belong. I just don't know if God lost me. What? <laughs> God's come, I can't, I can't do anymore. <laughs> yeah. So if you find yourself in a conversation and you're about to throw out a bunch of accomplishments that you've achieved or a bunch of entitlements, you know, I've been here for 50 years and or, or whatever, or you're about to kind of impress someone because you, you this, and really we do it because we're insecure, right? If you, you find yourself about to do that because you, you want to be needed, you want to belong. It's an inadequacy in our lives where we don't feel like we belong. So we have to project ourselves forward. Maybe at that point, step back and go, hang on, sorry, I just need to breathe for a minute. <sighs> I belong to God. I'm loved. Yeah. I think how many times relationships would be a bit less rocky is if when the fighting of in these relationships, whether it's a marital or, uh, you know, whatever it might be, a community thing, I wonder if they'd be a bit rocky. As, as it begin to escalate, we just step back and go, look, just hang on, I just need to check out for a minute. I just need to breathe. I wonder if that moment then when you started to breathe, you might hear the still voice. And they go, okay, I'm good to go, let's talk. Yeah. In yoga... Uh, one of the tenors is that your breathing has to stay uh, the same regardless of the pose. So whether it be a Q or an R or an L or a whatever you do, you know, some people, I, I, I should do yoga because I'm, as my wife, I'm not very flexible at all. Some of you can Skype, you can touch your toes. I'm trying to touch my knees. Seriously. <laughs> I'm not very good at all. But anyhow... So one of the things you learn right away is no matter how difficult the pose is to keep your breath consistent through whatever you're doing. And the yoga masters say this is how it is when you follow Jesus and surrender to God. It's your breath being consistent. It's your connection with God regardless of the pose you find yourself in. So whatever you're doing, or whatever you're going through, you never lose consistent, deep breathing. In other words, you are led by your spirit, 
your breath, not by the circumstances. Yeah. Regardless of what the circumstances are. Now that's a challenge, isn't it? And I'll tell you why it's a challenge. Unfortunately, in Christianity today, we've developed this mindset of certainty. Where the kingdom of God is a mystery, right? So there's a, a huge chunk of our faith that's not, there's no guarantees, there's no certainty. So what we do is we, we teach people somehow, inadvertently, to be control addicts, to be, to, to be addicted to certainty. So when things don't go the way that we think they should go, we get anxious. We get uptight. We worry. They're all kingdom of God outcomes, aren't they? No. <laughs> but yeah, that's what we're really good at. So unfortunately, I go to, I speak in a lot of churches. And, oh man, there's a lot of uptight people that have no peace. No contentment because their faith is built on guarantees and on certainty and on control. Yeah. And if you can't control, here's, here's, here's a little tip. You can't control people, places or things. The lie is you think you can. And when you do try, it just creates pain. Yeah. So maybe if you're trying to do that, take a step back. Just breathe and surrender. Yeah. Anyhow, that's a whole sermon in itself. Breath reminds me, number three, and I've only got to think one more after this, God has filled me with great potential. Now, if you do some basic research in physiology of breathing, it's interesting to learn that what is going on when you inhale and exhale. 99% of your energy should come from breathing, the experts say. Most of us only really access 10 to 20%. Most of us are tapping into only 10 to 20% of our potential. Breath reminds me, I'm going to keep moving. God is generous towards me. John 3.34 says this, For God gives the spirit without limit. Spirit, pneuma, breath. God gives breath without limit. Who's discovered that with your breathing? There's no limit. (laughs) You can just go. Go for it. (laughs) God gives the spirit without limit. If you take the word ruah and take the word pneuma and you trace them through the scriptures, you come up again and again and again. Do you need guidance? God says, I'll give it to you. No problems. You got it. Do you, do you need wisdom, courage, strength? Yep, it's yours. Without limit. God gives, God, God is in fact really matter of fact about it. He's not saying, oh, let me think about this. No, it's yours. It's yours. It's yours. He's really bold when it comes to the promises he's making. You need perspective, I'll give it to you. Truth, direction, knowledge, order, clarity. Most of us though, because we don't take the time to breathe, we don't have it. Just breathe. Some of you got some decisions to make. And some of those decisions, 
if you say the wrong things, it can cause a lot of hurt and pain. And you've offered some kind of token prayer to God, blah, blah, give me wisdom. But, but have you really taken the time to breathe? Taking the time to connect. Oh, I pray for God for wisdom. Or I pray, but it's just not there. Well, the issue is that God gives you the spirit without limit. Maybe you just need to chillax, take some time and learn to breathe. One of our traditions is meditation. Now, I know that word has got new age tendencies to it. And and unfortunately, Christians, one of their key things is not love, but fear. So we're afraid of words and stuff. But if you look at our tradition... Uh, prayer isn't just having a shopping list towards God and God do this, God do that, controlling God in other words. But prayer was often more about listening. Because he's in the pilot seat. <laughs> it's about listening. And I know for some of you it's really hard because you've tried to do that. You sat down, okay, I'm just going to Listen. And all of a sudden, shopping list, kids to-do list, this person said this, this person hurt me. Your mind, which scientists call our monkey mind, it just starts chattering away and da-da-da-da-da and ah, you just give up on it, right? You feel like, I better start talking, so you just start praying, right? It's because you, you haven't d- developed that muscle, that art of listening deep to that silent voice. And one of the keys I've personally found is listen to yourself breathing. Focus in on your breath. Why? Because it gives that monkey mind of yours something to concentrate on and you can trick it. It's focusing on breathing. Then all of a sudden it's distracted over there, in and out, inhale, exhale, and all of a sudden God's voice can come in. It's not going to happen overnight if you're not used to this kind of prayer. Yeah. Okay, last one. Breath reminds me that God cleanses me. For many of us to stay healthy, we have to eliminate waste. 11% of our body waste is, comes out through the thunderbox, the toilet, uh, whatever words you're used to, okay? 11%. 19% of our body waste is through perspiration. 70% of our body waste comes through breathing. Yeah. So when I'm not breathing properly, when I'm breathing fast in my chest, I'm running to do this thing, going to this thing, and I'm stressed and I say, oh, I'm so busy, I haven't had time to stop and catch my breath. (laughs) I'm actually allowing my body to retain all kinds of toxins physiologically, which ultimately destroys my life. Yeah. Thessalonians says this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 God shows you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. Now, the word sanctify is just another word for cleanse, right? Purifying. It's the house cleaning God wants to do in your life. What the Spirit does 
It allows you to see the dirt, the brokenness, the fragility. The Spirit makes us aware of the things that need to go, the things that need to be eliminated in our life. Not in a judgmental way, but just in a sense of self-awareness way. Right? Yeah. Are you furious with somebody and you're plotting revenge? Maybe you just need to breathe out. That. What do I need to breathe out? What are some of the toxins, the frustrations, the things I'm trying to control, the worry, the anxiety, some mindsets? Really hard. What are some of the things I need to focus on breathing out? What are you worried about? Do you right now need to hear God say, just breathe out? And what happens if you don't breathe out? You begin to choke. Some of you are walking around choking. Choking with all this rage and top tightness and I'm going to, you know. You know? <laughs> Just relax. I don't know why it is. I just don't know. I think it maybe we preach a small God. But sometimes what we do in church life, and I've run a few, is we're really good at focusing on the, the minors. So we, we major on the minors and we minor on the majors. Let me tell you what the majors are. 30 million people right now are in slavery in this world. In Penrith today, people slept on the street. Wives are being beaten. I could go, uh, hundreds of thousands of people die through lack of clean water every year. But we want to talk about how that photo is hanging on the wall in the church or what colour the seats are. Can you see that we're just missing something here? When we start getting our energies wrapped around the miners, when God is saying the whole time, what the hell are you doing? (laughs) There's people dying right now because they haven't got clean water and you can do something about it. Let's have a meeting about that. (laughs) You with me? Now, I know that those stupid other things need to be talked about. Don't get me wrong. But, mate, I'm not going to... I refused all the... I said, I'm not going to get a sweat about this. If you want to argue, start a little committee, have your little fight, go over there. But I've got better things to do. I'm here for a short time and I want to make it count. I don't want to spend my life wasting God's breath on politics like that. Yeah, stupid. For me, anyhow, maybe not for you, but for me, man, what's got you confused? Is there hate? Is there anger? Is there lust? Is there greed? You need to exhale. Are you carrying around problems that aren't your problems? You're like the flight attendant to the world. (laughs) Hey, trying to keep everyone happy. (laughs) Breathe out. Is there anything you need to breathe out right now? I don't know, does musos come at this point? Yeah. 
sorry, I don't know. Um, Central to our Christian tradition for thousands of years has been reflection, meditation and breathing. There's been this awareness that if you don't stop on a regular basis and ask the questions about, excuse my friend, some of the crap that we're carrying around, and if we don't get rid of that, our life ends up really messy. When was the last time you took time to breathe? You turned off your mobile. Sorry, someone just lost their left lung. But (laughs) you turned off your computer. You got off Facebook for half a second because, you know, I know it's important to find out what someone had for dinner last night. (laughs) But just for a minute... You breathed out. You exhaled. Which leads to the next question. What do you need to breathe in? Maybe you're feeling despair right now. And you need to pray, God, just give me a reason to get up in the morning. Maybe you've just realised, and this often happens as you get a bit older and you get a bit bored and you sort of slip out of what God's purpose is for your life. Grumpy and negative. Remember the first time you went into Bunnings? Wow, what an awesome place! Look at all this shoppings and this and screws and barbecue, mate. This is awesome. But now, 10 years later, no one ever serves me here. Can't find what I want. Blah, blah. You find anything to be grumpy about? Maybe you just need to breathe some beauty. Start looking at looking for glimmers of life and of God and His kingdom rather than death and sin. But look at beauty and goodness. What's right about the world, not what's wrong about the world all the time. Maybe you need to breathe in if your heart is broken. God, heal me. a dirt clod. I need you to breathe in to me hope and truth and love and clarity and courage. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're always with me. You're always here. You're here now. You're as close to me as my breath. Every single one of us here is on a journey. We're all growing. We're all learning to live. We're all becoming hopefully more and more enlightened, more aware of who you are and who we are. Help us breathe. Help us once again to learn to breathe. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Penrith Church of Christ. If there was anything in this message that you would like to talk further about, please go to our website on www.cofcpenrith.org. www.cofcpenrith.org.